Hi, this is Erin, and this week on Shining Bright, the farm herd heads to the National FFA Convention. We'll share the journey, the friends that we made, and the stories of four awesome women that we met and what makes them shine bright. Stick with us to the end and hear the wrap-up on... Mullets. Yep, that's right. Mullets on Shining Bright by Farm Her. Saturday at noon and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio 147 in the Sirius XM app. Welcome to Shining Bright, the Farm Her radio show all about women doing great things. Women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. Women following their passion, taking action, and making a difference for themselves and others. Join me, Margie as your host on Shining Bright by Farmher. Welcome to Shining Bright. So this is a fun one. Aaron and I loaded up the car and uh, the trailer and hit the road to FFA. The All National the way Convention. to Indy. All the way to Indy, which if you're wondering from central Iowa is about seven hours. Mm-hmm, about Eight, eight with a trailer and stops. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I don't drive a trailer every day. You know, this is like a... A special experience for me and kind of like a little bit of a I shouldn't say fear inducing but it's like it's just one one thing that like I have to think about more than just driving my car right yeah there's a little I mean you just have to have a heightened awareness when you're pulling a trailer it's just a little more yeah yeah effort on the road yep and so uh we loaded up all of our stuff we had a a, a booth there at convention and hit the road and um we had fun. It was, it was a, a fun blast. week. We're still trying to recover from it. Yeah. Tired wise, but yeah, I it mean, was a blast. It was three and a half fantastic days yeah. of, of selling Farm Her merch, but talking to people, talking to people and getting all the feels and filling our buckets yes, completely. For sure. So thanks to all of you who did tell us you listened to the podcast or radio show and are, um, you know, listening in here and came by to say hi in person because that's always exciting. It is. Um, so we hit the road and we're driving and this happened last year too. <laughs> I am so oblivious. I'm just, you know, talking and watching the road. Yep. And then all of a sudden like, there's a van, there's a 15 passenger van. <laughs> and you know, the closer you get to Indy, the more students you see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a huge event. So um, yeah, there were, there were two big 15 passenger vans and and they were fangirl and fanboy and like there, crazy when they came by. Yeah, there yeah. were girls and boys in that van and yeah. they were waving. They're excited. Cause at Margie. I forget. And, and this happens every time. This happened yeah. last year when we drove the trailer. The trailer says farm her really big on right. it. And so it's hard to miss. It is and hard to I, miss. Like, my brain does not make that leap of why are they waving why at me? They, so what is happening? He's afraid something's wrong. What's going on? <laughs> is the trailer going up in flames behind me? Yeah. Did I forget to look at and it? They're just so excited and they recognize. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool. It was fun. Uh, we were supposed to get there a little earlier, but mm. I had a sick kiddo at home and didn't feel comfortable leaving. So we ended up having to go on the last day before convention started. Yep. And we, uh, I rolled in and said, were those problem child people, you right. know? And they were like, oh yeah, we've been waiting we're, for you. We've been waiting for you. And we remember you from and last we year. Remember you. And I'm immediately like, oh no. Uh oh. But you know what happened? It, it was, was good. It was, it was great. It was good. So we, um, you know, sometimes I think we all go to these conventions and we do all the things there and we maybe forget how all of this stuff happens behind the scenes. But there are some yeah. really hardworking people yep. that um, they're running honestly, logistics, they're running logistics. They, they travel the country. They, they spend a lot of time away from home mm-hmm. to make these shows happen and these events happen. And, um, First off, we met a guy named Sonny who yeah. I remembered him from last year. Right. And yeah. he told us all the best spots, not only he in did. Indy, but in Janesville, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. And he's been Des Moines. everywhere. He's got friends and- everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And he made sure we got in, yep. you know, and, and they understand my like slight fear of pulling a trailer anywhere because yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, don't get me somewhere where I can never get this thing back out of here. Right. But um, they do this every day. Right. And, and then, and then we see this guy who had helped us last year mm-hmm. and his name is Kyle. Kyle. And Kyle, you know what? Like he was such a great person to see. And yep. like there's this serendipity thing mm-hmm. and, and he talked about it. And, you know, mm-hmm. you go on this path, you, you go through life and you land at these places. And I think sometimes you meet the right people at the, the right, right time. time. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully we could share some insight to yep. him and he yeah. shared some and insight to versa. us. He helped. He was like a 
human horse he and he moved is. our trailer yes. like, by hand into the spot where it needed and, like, to such be. a good coach yeah. as Margie backed the trailer into the right location, which you nailed. It happened. It was great. He was coaching me. He was coaching, but he's very patient and yeah. You know, because that's kind of scream at me. make it break a sweat too. Yeah, I did break a sweat, but it was fine. We got it there. And then, you know, we got unloaded and we got it in. Yep. And it was just nice to see helpful, yeah. smiling, good faces. Mm-hmm. So and their job is no joke. I think I said to him multiple times, I would not be nice at this point no. in my day. And you are fantastic. They're dealing mm-hmm. most of the things they deal with are problems and yeah. people that need to have something happen quick with large equipment. Yep. And, um, yeah, no, it's all about timing and yeah. in and out. Like yeah. it is, it was is impressive when you actually see the behind the scenes of yeah. these huge events. So next time, if you're at a livestock show, if you're mm-hmm. at a fair, if you're at some sort of convention, mm-hmm. uh, maybe say thank you to some yeah. of those people who you see behind the scenes working because they're making things happen and they're working long days mm-hmm. and 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 they are making it happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I, I I do think it's important to connect with those people. It's a it's a fun part of the journey, right? It is. So. Here's what's up next. You're going to hear from some of the people that we meet at the National FFA Convention in Indianapolis in 2019. You're going to not want to miss these stories. So stick with us. Hey, this is Margie. Join the journey by calling in and leaving a message with your questions or comments. Anything you want to share goes at 855-776-6147 or record it on your phone and email it to us at info at farmher.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We are back at the FFA National Convention. And as you can hear by my voice, I've been talking to all the people that I can because that's the fun thing to do here. And a young woman that we love at Farmherd just came into the booth and I knew we had to stop and talk. So welcome, Hannah, to Shining Bright. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And some of you, if you are like an avid listener, you may remember Hannah. She was our intern. Oh gosh, two summers, two summers ago already. But here is, I, I want everyone to get caught up with Hannah and what she's got going on. So tell me a little bit about where you are now. You graduated. When did you graduate and what have you been doing since then? So in May, I came home from the farm from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I studied agriculture communications and now I'm living the life as a full-time farm her. So I'm the sixth generation on my family's farm in Northeast Nebraska. Uh, we've been in production for 135 years. Years, but I came home to something unique. So we're really good at growing crops and cattle. Um, now we have chickens on our resume. So we grow chickens for Lincoln Farm Poultry. Um, and my mom and I operate our business. We have about 60,000 birds and we grow them for 21 weeks and then we send them off to lay eggs. Those eggs will end up in uh, a broiler barn and then those broilers are what you buy in Costco stores. So I've been really busy um, just transitioning back and I decided to take a break and come here to National Fay. So Hannah, take me back a little bit. When did you know that you wanted to go back to the farm? I mean, was it was it pretty clear your whole life or was it through college? Or tell me a little bit about how that came to be for you. I think everyone who drew grows up on a farm dreams of coming back home but you never know that it's a reality because everyone knows in ag you're not making a lot of money right now um, and so for me when I knew that I was going to be able to go back to the farm was when my parents was um, they essentially signed up or committed to grow chickens and so um, my first reaction when dad's like hey I've got a job for you I was like are you kidding me what why are we growing chickens um but uh, it took about a year and a half or I knew for about a year and a half before I came back I was like no this is what I want to do I'm going to come home to the farm and I'm going to figure it out figure out how to raise chickens be really good at it and then be able to help on the rest of the farm um and just continue the legacy that um I'm a part of back home Um, I would have had the same reaction. Are you kidding me? I can't be around that many chickens. And I probably still would have that same reaction. But 60,000 sounds like a lot. But I can appreciate what you do as a person that goes to Costco and buys those chickens. We love them. Um, But 
But the reality of this is you transitioned your whole life over these last six months. And so let's talk a little bit about that. So you went from being at school, living with a bunch of kids to going back to a rural area. And um, I've heard this story before. It, it is a bit of a challenge, I'm sure. So tell me a little bit about that transition and how you've dealt with it because it's a transition. So I still say I'm in the thick of the transition for a couple of reasons. Um, but I think everyone goes through this weird time after college of, I've been in college surrounded by my best friends for the last four years, but now I'm out doing what I've always dreamed of, or in my case, what I've always dreamed of. Um, we got chickens Tuesday of my last finals week. And so um, I had a, we got chickens and then I had to hustle back to take a final. Um, I got sick in there and then I had to hustle back home to <laughs> go back to the chickens. It was kind of, it was just a really crazy time. And then also uh, finding a place to live has been really hard for me, even though it's in my hometown because there's, there's is a shortage, shortage of housing. And so part of my transition of why it's been so hard is I'm still living at home. And so figuring out how to um, just, just, just figure out how to figure it out is yeah. every is what every day is good news is I am going to move out soon because an opportunity came up but um, now I have to plan to see my friends now I have to drive hours <laughs> to see them which is sounds like a normal thing to everyone else but for me I'm I'm figuring this out and I'm going through this right now so it is getting better um, just because yeah, one day I was sitting in class, the next day I was walking through a barn with 60,000 chickens, and that was it. So um, it is getting better, but it, it has been hard. So tell us a little bit, because I, I know that there's someone else out there listening that's in your shoes or going to be in your shoes. So can you share with me a few of the ways that you have um, gone about making sure it gets better? Like, are you reaching out to people in the community that you're in now, making new friends there? Uh, like, do you exercise? Like, how do you take care of your mental health through this? Because it, it is probably somewhat of a lonely transition, right? Like you're, it, but wonderful all yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Like you're living your dream. You're yeah. living so many people's dreams, but maybe what are the, some of the ways that you do practice? Like, here's how I'm going to take care of myself through this too. I have given myself, I had to have given myself a ton of grace and a ton of patience because this is a season of life that I will never have again. And so just giving myself the, the grace, like, yeah, like it is fun to hang out with my parents because um, I haven't been able to just hang out on a Tuesday night with them or cook supper with them or, um, yeah, this is, this is hard, like figuring out, yeah, we've done, I've been up, I've been on the farm my whole life, but like just figuring out oh this is how things work because I've never really been around for haying season because I have internships and so giving myself the patience that um, I will I will be able to learn these things and then socially that's just like reconnecting with other people or um, sometimes I just need me time too because I'm with my parents all day and so um, I'm happy to go to town to run errands and I've drawn the line hey mom I really want to go to town to get errands by myself I'll see you in a in an hour so um so really the best way for me to just keep things going is grace and patience and there will be a time where i'll have fr more friends in the area or i'll have my own house and then maybe i'll be missing my parents i don't know but just a lot of figuring it out and just a lot of patience so the other thing here um as one more thing of your transition, you went to working with family and you walked into, uh, there's multiple generations of family involved and you've got people outside of your immediate family, right? So it's, it's, it's an, a web already. So how did you find your place and did the, the new piece of the chicken operation help that? I'm still finding my place. So a little bit of background. My dad farms with his three brothers. So I'm a four family, part of a four family operation. And then my grandma, who's my idol, who's 85, is still on the farm. So that's where the multiple, multiple generations comes in. So my main goal is on the chicken side. So, but I call myself support staff for the rest of the farm. So right now we're in harvest and I'm... The other, before I came last week, I had to run to town to get an errand for my uncle, or if I'm helping them move cows or doing whatever, um, I'm just support staff and uh, figuring out that, or and letting them know that I'm available because it's not normal for them to call me on a Wednesday, like, hey, 
come help us. But uh, I know I keep saying figuring it out, but that's just really what it is. Just figuring it out and letting them know I'm available, but I do have my own responsibilities at home. So it's, it's a balance that we're trying to achieve. And I know what you're going to say already. Would you change any of this if you could? I mean, obviously there's little pieces in any of it, but would you make that same transition to go back home if you had it all to do over again? A thousand times, yes. I know I keep saying how hard it is, but it is so awesome. I don't really know a good word. It is so hard, but it's so good, but it's so hard, but it's so good. That's just really, the, that's what it, every day is just up and down. And it is to be able to be home and... Uh, doing things that uh, my grandpa started. My, my grandpa started building bins, and so I get to now, or um, building a new business and adding my own footprint to the farm is just something I'm really proud of. So where can people find you if they want to follow your journey? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at It's Hannah Borg. I love it. Okay, so for any of you listening, uh, I hope you just heard Hannah saying it can be tough, but it can be well worth it at the end. And this is far from the end. You've got journey left. So thank you, Hannah, for joining us. Thank you. Okay, everybody, stick with us here on Shining Bright. We will be back with more from the FFA National Convention. everybody. This is Margie Geiler-Alanese from Shining Bright by FarmHer. I want to tell you about a friend, a community member, a business owner that we really believe in. Our house was kind of a shell when we bought it and we've been working on updating and changing and adding things on. And we found a local contractor that we can trust, that we love the work that they do. And that is RemodelWorks. Check them out at RemodelWorksDB.com. They're right here in central Iowa. You'll love them. This is Margie, and I am back here at the FFA convention. It has been uh, an experience already, and we're only like, what, four or five hours into the convention, but it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. I always forget that until I get here, and then it's just awesome, the, the energy from the kids. So I am back here, and we are visiting with Lisa Paxton. Lisa, welcome to Shining Bright. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So, Lisa, why don't you start by telling everybody um, who you are, what you do, a little bit of your background as far as it relates to agriculture. Okay, I was raised on a farm here in northern Indiana. I have been, this is my 35th year to be an ag teacher and FFA advisor. Um, been really blessed in the rural community. My husband and I have raised three kids. Uh, they have all, we have one to graduate. Let's get that done. Um, and so we, we farm and we raise broiler chickens. And then in the last two years, I went ahead and my life dream is to have a flower shop and so I went ahead and bought a little brick and mortar building in our historical part uh, by the flashing light and um, I now have flower shop and 30 vendors in there of locally made products in our store so I love this so let's let's dig into this a little bit you have farming in your background you have livestock you, you live on a farm you work on a farm 35 years as an FFA advisor so this year um, we are celebrating 50 years of women being a part of this FFA organization. So by my math, you were probably one of the earlier ag teachers, right? Yes. As a woman. So tell me a little bit about how that experience was. So when I, when I started in 1985, I had two young ladies who were in ag because it wasn't really... It wasn't really thought of at that time. They were kind of, you know, they were kind of their own groundbreakers. So that started, I had, when I first started, I had 21 members in my FFA chapter, and I had two of those were young ladies. And so this, my, my last year as an FFA advisor, because I've retired from high school and went to college, and um, I had 64 students in the FFA chapter, and 40 of those were girls. So you've seen a, a big change in the number of young women in that program. Do you think in the early days it was... Was it easier for those young women to come into the program maybe because you were a woman? I think in, in my experience it probably would have been. Yes, I think it became easier because women were allowed in, in 1969. And so when I started teaching, it was right there at the beginning of the 80s. And it just took that 
about a decade of trans uh, transition. But with that being said, I took it at my little rural school in the in the 70s. So it became we understanding the leadership, understanding what we could contribute to the FFA, let alone get out of the FFA, what we could give to the community was just it's things that we learned in 4-H was now also an FFA at the same time for the girls. So uh, we talked earlier a little bit about, you said you really support women in agriculture. Why is that? Like, what is it about your journey and, and maybe the young women who you've seen come up through the program? What is it that makes you know that we need to have a platform for young women to be able to be a part of? Well, foundationally, I, did, I didn't go to college to be an ag teacher. I went in, in art, landscape architecture, and I had that little voice. I now know it's a calling that... Um, you know, what if there's girls that need some support? Because it, you wouldn't necessarily think, when I say support, uh, in regard to their career choices, in regard to societal issues. And my thought was, I, I just know I can help other girls. I just know I can to become the people that they were meant to be. So when, when I started, I, I had no idea that it would turn into such a great adventure and career. But I've had the chance, I have, I have, I have, girls who graduated from the high school and not because of anything I've done in particular I have doctors, I have lawyers I have CASA representatives I have architects uh, and just a lot of really fascinating young ladies who have really just pushed forward to make their contributions to society a positive uh, and why being a mom and they're still moms, you know, so that's a good job in its own too, yeah we talk about confidence a lot, and what do you see when young women go through this program of how it changes their confidence maybe in themselves or in their ability to do something? Um, I, I've noticed oftentimes in ag mechanics would be my one class I would see it the most in. They would be hesitating welding or doing a plumbing lab or do whatever. But I see when they get in there and realize that they can run, and I would not start with a wire welder. I would start with arc welding, which is a stick. They would learn that they could do it and maybe it wasn't something that was readily acceptable for them so once the girls start doing as well or better than the boys that just drives them when they know you know and today it's a different world but way back in the mid 80s when I started that was a huge factor because I would maybe push them a little bit oh you can do better than than Scott or you can do you know so that was really good for them to go to have somebody believe in them and I think that's just my makeup. That's just my general makeup of, of pushing them to do the best they can. I, I think it's, I, I tend to do that with my daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know that it may not always be the easiest path for you. So I'm going to push you really hard to do your best and to, to put yourself out there. And I think there, there's something that feels yes. so good about doing that, right? Yes. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about your passion project. So you uh, have been an ag teacher for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And you said two years ago, you decided to follow mm -hmm. this dream. Tell me a little bit about what um, helped you, what caused you to make that leap? What, what, was it that finally said, I'm actually going to do this and go open the store? Yes, I, well, I retired out of high school. Uh, I've had 32 years at the high school level. I'm at the college level now. But in that transition, two of our kids are done with college. Our little fun one is going to be, you know, he was a junior at the time. And I just thought, I, in my mind and in my heart, I always knew I wanted to have my own flower shop. Over the years, I did tons of FFA weddings. So it was just one of those, the opportunity, there was an abandoned building, and when I looked into it, there's stained glass windows that were all covered up. There is copper on the front of the building that was all covered up as part of the, it's a, an early 1900s building, and it just, I just went for it. I just thought, you know, I, when I get ready to retire from this, I, 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 being at home with my husband's great, but you know, I just wanted to have a little diversity, and I always wanted to do it. So, as my daughter said, "What are you waiting on, Mom?" So I got a little bit of my own uh, upbringing got thrown right back into my face because she was like, "What are you waiting on? Go do it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says." So, it's been an awesome experience. Well, yeah. that's what I was going to ask. So, uh, it sounds like the building probably was not without its challenges. I'm sure there's ups and downs all of the time. But would you do it all over again? Absolutely, absolutely. And actually, the top store, the building is like. 22 feet by 80 and it's all brick everywhere in the top floor I it took me two dumpster loads 40 yard dumpsters to get all the junk out of it and right now I have a small I'm calling it my own loft apartment but I have a small venue upstairs to do baby showers or girls night out and it's just been I just I've been doing it 
It's amazing. And you're in a small community. You said how, how many stoplights? One. One flashlight. One flashing light, and that's it. Yes. Yeah. So it, I think it's a testament that you can make something like that work in a small community because the community piece of it, right? Like right. you just said, you're inviting people in. Right. And part, and and five of my vendors are my past FFA students who are hand-making items, hand-making scarves, hand-making quilts, hand-making hair ties, candles, and a lot of that board and brush type of thing. So that's another great tie. It's kind of nice when they can come in and now they can call me Lisa instead of Mrs. Paxton, which I, they'll come in and say, Miss Paxton, I'm like, you can call me Lisa now. I still struggle with that with my a college professor of mine. I, I cannot call him anything but Dr. Schaefer. Yes, exactly. And, and that's a respect thing. That's a nice thing, but I'm just like, come. And there's, and some of them are 45 years old and they're still kids to me. You know, I'm like, come on kids, you can call me Lisa by now. But So do you have a website? How can people find you? I, right now I'm doing Facebook as my social media and Instagram. Um, I'm kind of holding off on my website for my flower designs until I'm really done teaching because I, um, you know, burn on candle both ends. I, my plate's full. So what's your Facebook? What's the name of it? How can people find you? Um, my, my personal page, which is Ty, is Lisa Paxton. And my, my boutique is Akron Floral, the Bird's Nest. So that's where you can find us. And you'll see a lot of cool. It's way beyond a flower shop. Way beyond a flower shop. I love it. Thank you so much for all that you have done for young women over the decades that you've been in this and for taking your time to share with Shining Bright. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me today as one of your podcasts. Of course. Okay, everybody, stick with us. We'll be back soon. More from the FFA convention. Hey guys, this is Margie from Farm Her. I want to remind you all that we have some really fun, functional, cute merchandise out on our store at farmher.com. And fall has arrived in the Farm Her market. We've got some new sweatshirts, hoodies, one of my favorite windbreakers out there. So check it out at farmher.com. And while you're there, be sure to use the code SHININGBRIGHT and save 10% just for our listeners. This is Margie and I am at the FFA convention in Indianapolis. We have a Farm Her booth here and one of the fun things about having a booth is people who are familiar with the brand or we've met before come find us and so I am here with Ann Bays. Ann, welcome to Shining Bright. Thank you. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Yeah, so this is a case of the, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Ann came up to me and said, we've met you before. I want you to come to my farm and I'm always excited when I have people who want to share their stories. So let's get started. So tell me a little bit about your background in agriculture. Like, did you grow up in this and lead us up to, you know, what what types of animals or what crops you grow right now? I actually have no background in agriculture. Um, I was raised in the city. I got an engineering degree um, and I bought a horse. And so the horse led me to a small, my first farm that was eight acres. And then I decided I want to try cow. So I bought a cow and that made me recognize my passion for agriculture. So fast forward about 10 years and I had a whole herd of cattle. Um, I had several horses and I um, actually got the opportunity to quit my real job and farm full time for a living. And it was a dream come true. So, so how long, like, get, how long was this process? I mean, I, you, I realize you just told it to me in about 30 seconds, but like from the start of, of getting that first farm all the way through. Years. 15 years. Is, is, and I just kept adding cows and I, and I was selling meat. Um, I raised an interesting cow. I raised Scottish Highland cows. Um, and I wanted to sell grass-fed beef. That's what m- one of my dreams was. And so when I got the opportunity to farm full-time, I got to realize that dream. And I started selling grass fed beef through farmers markets and uh, because I was selling my my beef I needed to have it be USDA processed and so that wasn't a problem I did that and I was very fortunate enough to have a USDA processor about 10 minutes from my farm and uh, we did this I did this through two owners and and I for several years and then all of a sudden that plant 
gave up their USDA grant of inspection. And so my 10-minute journey one way turned into a two-hour journey one way. And I did this for a couple of years, and then I thought, you know, I can do better than this. So I called the owner of the meat processing plant that was no longer USDA inspected, and I said, have you ever thought about selling your meat plant? And he said, more than you even can imagine. And I thought, oh my golly, what have I started? So, so there's a lesson right here of just ask. You never know what the answer will be, right? Like, that, that I mean, so true. you literally called somebody up and said, what do you think about this? And what's the worst thing you're going to hear, right? No. Right. But, but yeah. So, I didn't hear no. So that started a whole different journey for you. So tell me a little bit about what, what that kicked off. So um, I purchased the plant. That has been two years ago this past summer. We had to go through a lot of cleaning, a lot of renovations, and then I had to go through a complete reinspection by USDA, which was a blessing, you know, in and of itself. And we did that. So I opened two years ago in October, and then we got our USDA grant of inspection in February. And I have been trying to build the business ever since. We're building up a big USDA clientele. And, you know, it, I really have a heart for it because I was on that side of the counter. So I can help these processors who are new to it and just wanting to, you know, wanting to sell their, their pigs and their cows to the public, you know. So I really love helping them. And I'm having the time of my life. I love it. So when you decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to um, bridge that gap and I'm, I'm going to go into the processing side, how did you learn the business? I mean, did, who, who did you reach out to? How did you go about figuring this out? Honestly, I kind of learned it by accident because since I was kind of new to the meat industry when I started selling beef, I made it a habit of going to the processor every time I took an animal and any time one of my carcasses was processed, I was in the processing room. So I literally put my labels on myself and I weighed all my beef myself and so I got to talk to the butcher and I was learning at that point. So because I was around the plant so much, I had learned how to how the process works. And then I end up owning that same plant that I was in and around. So that's how, you know, I learned how it worked. Now, I've had to pick up a lot of skills. I am now real good on the slaughter floor. I don't I don't do the stunning and I can't do the split saw to split the carcasses, but I can do the skinning and, and the gutting and all of that myself and I love it. I hope, I hope that doesn't make me sound weird. No, that doesn't sound weird. I, I've, I've, um, We've done a show on women who um, are in the meat business. You know, really? yeah, we did a whole show on it, and it's not weird. It, it makes perfect sense because if you care about how you've raised that animal, then you care about how it is taken care of all the way to the plate, right? Exactly. And you know, not only do we do USDA, we also do custom processing as well. So you know, there's a lot of people that just want to do their own animals for themselves, and that's great too. And it is so it's sad in a way because people have become so far removed from where their food comes from. And I feel like I can help people, you know, to know more about where their food comes from. And that's exactly why I'm at the FFA convention, because I was not an FFA member. My son was. But um, I'm working with the kids, and I love it, because we need to keep the agriculture out there. And, uh, you know, it's great. And so I assume you're in, are you in a rural area, uh, fairly small? Yes. my the, the closest town to me is about 3,500 people, so it's very small. Um, we're about an hour and a half from Knoxville, which is a big town, and about an hour and a half from Lexington, which is big. But we are in a very rural area, and that in turn hurt me when I was trying to sell grass-fed beef. So, you know, I kind of needed to take another step um, to to be able to, you know, support myself farming. And uh, I'm right now in the midst of taking another big step, and I'm actually opening a second satellite meat shop in one of these downtown areas. Good for you. So I'm hearing diversification, right? You yeah. can't you can't have all your cows in one basket. You gotta like expand what you're doing so that you can keep doing what you're doing. And I love that. So um, if there's one big lesson that you've learned since you started down this newer journey, w what would you say that is? 
follow your dreams and never give up on them. That is one of the biggest lessons. Um, the second lesson is to not, don't be afraid to make decisions. Um, a lot of people get paralyzed because they're not, they're afraid they might fail or they don't know what to do. Um, so you need to follow and just go ahead and make those decisions. And then the last thing I would say is stay connected to your agriculture community. There are so many people out there that can help you, that can support you. And I mean, here I am, the perfect example, because I was not born on a farm. I knew nothing about it. Um, but it, you can do it. It can happen. And it's awesome. You've learned it all by jumping in. I, I love this, right? Because you can go anywhere and do whatever you want. I have no doubt that, and I think that's the thing about making these decisions sometimes, right? I, it happens to me too, where I kind of feel like, what if I make this decision and it sinks everything? Well, you know what? If you're a person that has picked up the pieces that you need along your journey, you can figure out what that looks like next if it sinks everything, right? Nothing's ever sunk all the way, right? That is so true. And, um, you know, I, you know, yeah, definitely. Okay, so where can people find you if they want to find out more about uh, what what you do? Do you have a website? Um, actually, the best way to find me right now is probably on Facebook. Okay. Um, I am Moonlight Farm. Oh, excuse me, I got Moonlight Farm, but I also have Moonlight Meat Processing, and we are located in Corbin, Kentucky. And um, my email address would be. You want that? Yeah, Moonlight Meat Processing at gmail.com. And um, I'd love for people to reach out because, like I said, I love to help people and educate people the best way I can. Thank you. Thank you, Ann. This has been great. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Okay, guys, so stick with us. There's going to be more from the National FFA Convention coming up. Hey, this is Melissa with Tin Roof Market. Just want to share with you some of the products we make using goat's milk from our family farm. We make a variety of soaps and lotions using the goat's milk along with other natural ingredients, adding essential oils and fragrances to give them that amazing smell. Some of the scents to choose from are lavender oatmeal, double mint, eucalyptus spearmint, sweet orange, and many more. We also make a variety of lip balm, lip scrubs, and sugar scrubs. If you'd like to find out more, please check us out at www.tinroofmarket.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram. is Margie. We are at the FFA National Convention in Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana, and I ran into a young woman who everybody needs to hear what she has to say. So Elena, welcome to our show. Hi. Okay, so let's start off by talking a little bit about your involvement or your background as far as it relates to agriculture. So my family owns a pig farm in Lebanon County, Pennsylvania, where we raise nursery pigs and finisher pigs, and I'm also heavily involved in my school's FFA chapter. Awesome. So you've grown up around it. Like, has this been around your whole life uh, with the pigs? Yeah, definitely. Do you show pigs? No, actually, I show dairy cows. <laughs> I expected you to say that you show <laughs> pigs. So, Well, that's good. So obviously a love for all livestock. Yes, definitely. And um, how old are you? What grade are you in? I'm a senior in high school. Okay, so where are you going to go after this, do you know? I plan to attend a four-year college and major in ag communications. Good for you. So you've been in FFA for a number of years, and um, this is what I love about mothers. She was here with you at convention, and she pushed you to come talk to us and tell us about your speech. So just give us a real brief like overview of what you just did this morning. So this morning I competed in the Senior Prepared Public Speaking CDE. I had to have a prepared speech of six to eight minutes and it had to be fully memorized and I had five minutes of questioning afterwards. Okay, so I'm super impressed. Anybody that can memorize that much <laughs> is amazing. So I'm gonna ask you to give us your talk. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. When someone asks the question of what does a farmer look like? A stereotypical answer would be a middle-aged man wearing a flannel shirt and a straw hat as he holds a pitchfork. Our current society does an excellent job of putting people into stereotypes. However, within the past few years, women in agriculture have been breaking these expectations. 
society has been surprised to see women taking charge and doing what some may call a man's job. In January of 2017, a young girl walked into her school's guidance office for her yearly check-in. When the guidance counselor asked her, what do you want to be when you grow up? She confidently stated that she wanted to go into the field of agriculture. The young girl was surprised to see the face of her guidance counselor. Instead of reassuring her that this was a good idea, she began to tell her that this could be challenging. She did not let this stop her. She continued to not be pushed by her problems, but led by her dreams. The young girl in this situation was me as a freshman. I had just entered high school and I was more than excited to become heavily involved in the Little Dutchman FFA chapter that year. Living and working on my family's pig farm, my love for agriculture had blossomed from a young age. I had seen how agriculture not only provides food and clothing for people, but is also an essential part of unifying a family together. Agriculture ran through my blood, and I wanted the opportunity to share my passion with others with the hopes of becoming an agriculture education teacher. My guidance counselor was not overly supportive of my decision for my future path in life. However, I decided to persevere and push forward. Unfortunately, many women, myself included, are not supported when trying to follow their dreams in agriculture simply because they do not fit the stereotype of a farmer. Women like Gay Erickson paved the way for my gender by being one of the first females admitted into the FFA organization 50 years ago. Women in agriculture make up 8% of the whole world's population. Recent studies have shown that more women have been buying their own land, starting their own farms, and have taken leadership positions within large agribusinesses. Around 301 million acres of farmland in the U.S. are either co-farmed co or farmed by women. This is around one-third of all of the farmland in the United States. A perfect example of this is Mary J. Thatcher, whom is featured on the Farm Her blog, where they shine a light on women in agriculture. Mary is a fifth-generation farmer who grows corn and soybeans while raising feeder calves. In recent years, women just like Mary have been stepping up and purchasing their own farmland for themselves. This has been surprising for some people, since women are once again breaking the stereotypes within the field of agriculture. Another way women are taking charge of agriculture is by obtaining leadership roles. Women across America are becoming leaders within large agribusinesses. Companies such as Pioneer and Penag have women in leadership roles, like Jennifer Reed Harry, who is the assistant vice president at Penag. I had the opportunity to job shadow Jennifer for a day this past school year. The duration of my day consisted of three different meetings where we met with various different board members of the agricultural community. I was astonished to see only five other women throughout the day because the other 24 board members were all men 30 years or older. In a current New Horizon mag magazine article, the National FFA organization highlighted the women who started it all. This article recognized the first females who were admitted into the FFA organization 50 years ago. Self-advocating can be considered an uphill battle. However, there are various programs that offer support to women in agriculture, such as Farm Her, American Agriwomen, Association of Women in Agriculture, National Women in Agriculture, and Women's Agriculture Leadership Conference. Farm Her's focus is to show the importance of women in agriculture by shining light on their accomplishments through TV, radio podcasts, and a blog. Each of these elements showcases numerous women in agriculture and their successes. Supportive programs like previously mentioned are what keep young women confident about entering this industry. Those who believe that women should not have a place in American agriculture claim that they could be a detriment to their company. They may consider possible employee turnovers due to pregnancy to be a negative side effect of hiring women. However, some may not realize that women are capable of bringing quality attributes to the table as well as raising the future generations. Studies have shown that women are the reason for 3% of sales in agribusinesses, which is $12.9 billion in agricultural product sales. 
Without women in agriculture, the ag community would be missing out on many opportunities. Women within the field of agriculture has been thrusting the industry forward tremendously. By gaining support from members in the community, more women will be moved enough to join the industry and help improve the framework that is set in place. The possibilities for the future of agriculture are endless, and changing the stereotypical farmer is just the beginning. One day, I hope to be an essential cog in the wheel of agriculture, spreading my love and passion for the industry as a strong woman. Thank you. Yay, that was awesome. I absolutely love it. I am so amazed at your ability to memorize so much content. So, um, yeah, that was absolutely amazing. So tell me, like, just how did you memorize that? Like, just real quick, like, what did you just practice for, like, months and months? Obviously, you wrote it. So I actually started writing my speech in February, and I've been practicing a lot ever since. I know Monday before I left for national convention, I said it three times in one day. So it's taken a lot of practice to get to this point. <laughs> well, as a person who struggles to memorize like three lines when we go do the TV show, <laughs> I am very, very impressed. So thank you again for sharing your speech with us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. And so everybody, don't forget that we have got our final and 20th grow event. And like, as I said, final event coming up in Iowa, November 15th. You can head over to farmher.com to find out more about that event and to get tickets if there's any left, get there quick. It is going to be a fun day of inspiration, education, empowerment, and uh, bonus, we're going to be filming a TV show of a panel of awesome women while you're there. So again, farmher.com will be back here on Shining Bright. Hi, this is Margie geiler Alanese. Next week on Shining Bright, we're taking it to Nashville and we're talking to musician Dini Richardson, a fiddle playing powerhouse. We'll talk about her musical journey from an early age to being on stage with some of the country music greats. And now to her role in the award-winning band Sister Sadie on Shining Bright by Farmher. Hey, this is Katie Crow, owner of Uplift Fitness Studio. Uplift Fitness Studio is a boutique fitness studio located right in the heart of Grimes, Iowa in the Governor's District. Uplift offers a variety of group fitness classes such as yoga, cardio, Zumba, bar, and strength classes. All new students can get their first week free with no obligation. At Uplift Fitness, we are passionate about uplifting women in our community to be strong, healthy, and happy. We strive to make a difference in their lives by creating an environment that allows our members to obtain their fitness goals and enjoy their experience in comfort and safety. Visit our website today at www.upliftfitnessstudio.com. I hope you enjoyed those inspiring women. Those are just a few. Yeah. It, it was a steady stream at convention. It was. It was. And uh, I mean, we could have interviewed 200 people, mm -hmm. quite honestly, mm -hmm. who listen to the podcast, watch the show, find inspiration through these stories in one way or another. Yeah. And for that, we are so thankful because, um, you know, we care about it and and we want you all to enjoy it as well. Yes. So yeah. um, that was good. Um, but here is in the wrap-up, a few uh -huh. of our takeaways from convention. So, Erin. I'm just dying to talk about this. <laughs> I can't wait. What, what is it? It was, you know, day one was probably in the first three hours. Yeah, you noticed something. I noticed something. And at first I thought it was just a fluke. But then every time I turned around, there was another mullet. And literally, so many that, you started so many that I stopped counting. Yeah. At fifty, and you and like I'm pretty sure those were days. unique. Yeah. Those that was at the end of day, that was the, like the beginning morning of day two that I had ended at fifty. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were all unique. There might have been a couple um, repeats, but really, it doesn't matter because then when I left to go walk the expo for a while, I thought I saw a lot in our booth. They're it's everywhere. everywhere I turned. Yeah, everywhere I turned, there was a young man with a mullet. And, <laughs> and what I learned though is that mullets are pretty diverse. I mean. It they're is, big, they're small, they're, big, they're, they're curly, small, they're, curly. they're straight. Some start, you know, at your temple. Some don't start <laughs> till after your ears. You can mix them with race stripes, right? 
I think that's you what they're called. You can even shave an you know, American flag into it. You can shave an American flag into it. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and at first, I thought it was just me. But as we talked to people. Everybody was noticing like, it. like, what is going on? Yeah. So Mullets I, everywhere. What I don't know is this, is this rural America? Mm-hmm. I mean, because yep. obviously that's very well represented yeah. through our um, the FFA constituency. But yeah. I don't think it's probably think just it is. rural America. I and and you know I've said this to my husband and I've had this conversation. He's like, well, it never went out. <laughs> I'm like, well, I think it. I think this is a new trend. Yeah. Um, because I've seen some locally too, not that many. Yeah. But I have seen a couple locally. Uh, I'm like, no, this is <laughs> this is making a comeback. So um, keep your eyes open. Yeah, count the mullets. I count mean, them. It it is interesting, and I love the the spirit of these kids. Oh, right, they're like, just amazing kids. Yeah, all of them. They are, and um, yep. you know, aside from the mullets, yeah. Um, but you know, do it. I yeah. say do it. Do whatever it is. Okay, Tony just sent me a link. Here's the long and short of it all. Yes. <laughs> mullets are back. There you go. According to the Guardian's fashion segment. Mm -hmm. So that's not just real America. Nope. (laughs) That is all across the country. I'm not sure why they're back. I'm not either. Mm. I'm really not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you can wear them with hats and without hats. You can, I mean, you they are- get a perm and a mullet. Could, there were some perm, perms are coming back Tony too. got a perm and a mullet at one uh-huh. point, didn't you? He's well, nodding over there. I'm a little there. fearful because my husband's hair is really long. <laughs> he, he could totally mullet it today. He could make that a mullet right now. <laughs> and he probably will. Yeah. Before uh, he cuts it all the way. Tony uh, mm-hmm. claims that he and my son, AJ, are, are um, They're growing, growing theirs out. There's out. Yeah. And so I don't- I don't well, know about a mullet, but yeah. What about the rat tail? I, I didn't see any I know, of those. I didn't that's see any the of next those. Step. That's I mean, like that's probably level. the progression. When you're done with your mullet, then you transition to a rat tail before yeah. you. Yeah. Yep. Well, here's I'm all about thing. self-expression, I guess. I so. am too. Whatever. Do, it, uh-huh. Here's one beautiful thing about hair. It always grows back. Do whatever you want with it. It do doesn't matter. With it. And we noticed these young men. Yeah, right? I know. Like, we jumped did. out at us. I yes, can I can picture one like really big kid and he had like a curly red mullet and I still like it's... Yeah. Yep. Anyway, it's amazing. But they are. <laughs> they are an awesome group of young. Oh, yes. The best students. I mean, you see the best of the best, yeah. I think. Yeah. The young woman situations. who memorized, she she was on one of these segments, you know, who yep. memorized this talk. The prepared about, speech. Yeah. For like seven minutes yeah. about women in agriculture. Yep. I was just in awe of her. Yep. So many of these young women, though, they're not afraid to come up to you. They're no. confident. They're collected. Yep. And you know, that comes from uh, being pushed. Yep in mm-hmm. this organization that and the that leadership skills they're taught and yeah. yeah yeah they're awesome advisors and yeah oh mm-hmm. yeah and the advisors mm-hmm. right i mean how many tired advisors did we oh see walking gosh. through our booth like late friday right. and early saturday i mean but, you just think about taking a group of i mean let alone three all the way to 40 or 50 students yeah to no. a convention <laughs> it's exhausting. God bless the uh-huh. FFA advisors yep. out there and, and yep. your ability to get these kids. Cause a yeah. lot of these kids, we, we've heard this time and time again, this is maybe their first time out of their County or out of their state. Yep. And that's a big deal because once you deal. see the world, you realize it's, yeah. it's a lot bigger than, than you. Yep. So uh, cheers to that. So there is our wrap up of the yep. FFA convention. I hope you enjoyed some of these women's stories, just a, a sampling of, of who we met and uh, if you want more Farm Her, you can always find that over on our website, farmher.com. I want to encourage you to sign up for the mailing list. That is the best way to stay in the know about podcasts, radio, TV, merchandise, all the things, all the stories, all the pictures, all the amazing women. So head over to farmher.com. You've been listening to Shining Bright by Farm Her. Be sure to listen Saturdays at noon and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM's Rural Radio 147 and the SiriusXM app. And now, go shine bright.